you know, I just think for for women and and child, women and girls and families in my situation, we they thought that they knew better than I did. They took the role that I could have been helpful in with saving my daughter's life as though they knew better than I did. You know, we're not going to give her an opportunity, you know, to do, you know, anything because we're in, we're in control of this situation. Being there, offering not only my physical assistance, but having my daughter's therapist on the phone and my phone being taken from me and the therapist being hung up on and I'm being told, uh, we'll deal, we'll call her when we need her. That's Rhonda Dormius, the mother of Corinne Gaines who was killed by police on August 1st, 2016, at age 23. She was shot and killed in her home in Baltimore with her son in her arms. She believed herself to be in danger when police arrived at her home to serve a warrant for a traffic violation. She started streaming everything on Facebook, and moments after... Facebook shut down her live stream. An officer named Royce Ruby fatally shot Corinne Gaines through the wall where she was inside making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for her son. Royce Ruby then entered her home and shot her three more times. In this second part of the Hard Screen podcast focused on Say Her Name, You will also hear from Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw, who founded the Say Her Name campaign, who is executive director of the African American Policy Forum. This episode contains vivid descriptions of police violence. Those who may be triggered by such descriptions are advised not to continue listening. You are listening to The Hard Screen. I'm your host. Tamarin Sproul. We will pick up where Rhonda Dormius left off, explaining how police in Baltimore refused to allow her to help her daughter, Corinne Gaines, who is going through a mental health crisis. She also explains how her attempts to connect her daughter with her therapist were thwarted by police hellbent on doing things their way with deadly consequences. You know, to me, that's taken away our importance as well, because, you know, if you don't know what the situation is psychologically and I have some and you and you now see that it might be some psychological issues going on and you still feel like you need to overpower the situation or overpower my ability to get through and and possibly save my child's life. You know, it just tells you what they think of us for me. Mm-hmm. That's that's just the way I feel that they think of us like we're not important, like we're we're useless. Now you'll hear from Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw, executive director of the African American Policy Forum, on the far-reaching impact of police violence on the children who are left behind and other loved ones. Yeah, and and to open fire while the child is there. So both of you. The other person Dr. Crenshaw is referring to is Gina Best, mother of India Kager, who also was killed by police in front of her child. You can hear her story in part one of this special Say Her Name edition of The Hard Screen. 
um, have had to deal with uh, grandchildren who've not only lost their mothers. So now you um, are, are, are raising uh, children uh, of your daughters. Both of your children were harmed uh, in, in this assault on your daughters. And the, the general reaction seems to be uh, no harm, no foul. I, I mean, just in trying to uh, seek accountability, it's been an upward struggle to uh, seek community support. It's been an upward struggle. Uh, Rhonda, uh, in, in your case, for the first time that I can recall, there was initially a, a, a judgment against the officers who killed your daughter that was then overturned and recently uh, reinstated. And we can only hope that that stays the course. Make no mistake, the actions the officers perpetrated against Corinne Gaines and her son are criminal acts. Here, Dr. Crenshaw explains more about what happened that day. Basically for traffic violations, right? We're not talking about you know, serious war on whatever. Um, we're talking about a traffic warrant. Um, and this was part of an escalation uh, uh, between the police and uh, Corinne, escalation that had already caused her to lose um, her, her, her twins in utero when she was arrested for a traffic violation, mistreated, uh, not given water. So she had every reason to fear the police. The That's right. As Dr. Crenshaw explains, Corinne Gaines had reason to fear the police after her prior run-in for the original traffic violation resulted in her miscarriage of twins that she was carrying. Police came uh, and and entered uh, without knocking um, and encountered Corinne in her living room with her legally owned uh, shotgun. Uh, what commenced after that was a several hour uh, standoff, as the police call it, um, with more than thirty personnel being brought to Corinne's home. Now I want to remind people we're still talking about a traffic warrant, right? So. We're not looking at a de-escalation situation. Rhonda is there. Rhonda asked to talk to her daughter. She's not allowed to talk to her daughter. The police actually began communication with Corinne as though they are Rhonda through her text call. And Rhonda doesn't find out until after they have shot and killed Corinne um, through the back while she was making uh, a sandwich for her young son. Uh, who was also uh, shot, who survived uh, in this moment. So when, when we think back on all the things going on here, uh, Rhonda, um, the fact that they didn't even allow you to try to intervene to save your own daughter's life, what does that speak about the bonds between Black women and their children? The inability to recognize Corinne Gaines as a human being with a mother who loved her very much, who was inside the house trying to protect her young son, is the result of police officers historically not seeing African Americans, Black Americans as fully human. This is the dehumanization bit. Police forces started as slave patrols to round up any escaped slaves 
to keep them in line. That's how police forces in the United States began. During slavery, black people stolen from Africa and enslaved on the land to build the society were considered three-fifths human and legislation supported that idea. If people are not fully human, then it's easier to enslave them and work them as if they are mules or donkeys or animals or anything. Although we now can see that even treating animals the way that slaves were treated and brutalized on plantations throughout the South, the way African Americans are treated today by police officers during routine traffic stops, as was the case with Sandra Bland. The way George Floyd was treated, in spite of his pleas and statement that he could not breathe. The way that Corinne Gaines was treated, in spite of the fact that she had a young son inside, the way India Kager was treated inside of a car, having committed no crime, trying to protect her four month old son, who is deaf to this day because of the percussive sound of gunfire at the age of four months. People are afraid of the term defund the police, but until it is dismantled from the core of its inception as a way to control black lives at the expense of death for any black person who resists or defies their brutalization, police forces as they stand cannot go on. More importantly, the U.S., has to recognize and come to terms with the sad reality and accept and make changes based on that acceptance that culturally black Americans are not viewed as fully human. Otherwise, the officers involved in Corinne Gaines's murder would have listened to her mother, Rhonda Dormius, when she said, let me talk to my daughter. I can get through to her. Here, take the phone. I have her therapist on the line. Her therapist can talk to her and get through to her. Those would have been actions of humanity, of compassion. Those were denied. They were dispelled. They were discounted. Because they did not value Corinne Gaines's life. They did not value the life of her son. They did not value the life of her mother, Rhonda Dormius, who's left behind to take care of a child who was disabled by gunfire and living the rest of her life in grief over having her daughter killed in a hail of bu- bullets, three bullets once she was already shot through a door 
in front of her young child. It's trauma and tragedy upon trauma and tragedy. Things that people never get over. That will follow them generationally. For example, when Corinne Gaines's son grows up, doesn't have a mother in his life, wants to understand where his mother is, the implications are long-lasting, far-reaching, devastating, completely unacceptable. Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw. One of the things that we've tried to do and say her name is to elevate certain uh, narratives that allow us to remember uh, the names of black women who are killed by the police. There's a saying in communications uh, strategy that if people don't accept your frames, they won't remember your facts. They won't. So we talk about all the black women um, that we possibly can, unless we create frames that allow people to hold these stories, they will forget them. So one of the frames is that uh, the relationship, the bonds between uh, family members, between black mothers and their children are, are, are often compromised and completely uh, disconnected uh, in these moments. The de-escalation that we talk about all the time often doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen as between mothers and their daughters. And it doesn't happen as between daughters and the children that they are often killed in front of. The immediate attention to the police brutality of black male bodies is long overdue. So far, until Sandra Bland, until Corinne Gaines, until Breonna Taylor, has been non-existent. So what tipped off the Say Her Name campaign? What got it started? A mother completely distraught over the murder of her daughter who went to extreme measures to get attention for her daughter's death that happened around the time that Michael Brown also was killed by police. Dr. Crenshaw explains. And in this moment, I want to lift up another of our mothers um, who you will uh, hear from uh, soon, Fran Garrett. She's the mother of Michelle Cousseau. Michelle Cousseau was killed by the police approximately five days after Michael Brown was killed. Uh, but unlike Michael Brown, very few people knew the name of Michelle Cousseau. Michelle was killed in uh, Phoenix. Uh, and um, the, the, the circumstances of her uh, loss of life uh, were very typical of many other Black women uh, who've been killed by the police. The police were supposed to be there uh, to provide help uh, on a mental health call. And instead, um, the police escalated the situation, uh, broke into Michelle's house, and within seconds of the encounter, shot her through the heart. Fran decided that someone was going to know the name of her daughter. Fran decided that this name would not go unnamed, that Michelle's lost life would be something that everyone would know about. And so she chose to take uh, Michelle's coffin to the Phoenix City Hall. And in that choice, um, she ceded the birth of Say Her Name, because we saw 
um, her action of taking her daughter's coffin to City Hall. We noted that her name hadn't been mentioned. We felt uh, the, the imperative that as we marched on behalf of Eric Garner and Tamir Rice and, and Michael Brown, that we also had to march on behalf of Michelle Cousseau and then so many other women who lost their lives both before and after. So Say Her Name quite literally came from us being at the marches and going into those marches with a banner of Black women who had also suffered the ultimate penalty, of Black women who also understood um, what it was like to lose uh, a daughter or a sister or a mother to the same kind of anti-Black police violence that it galvanized so many other people. So in our march with our banner, we were literally saying, say her name, say her name. And our response to that gave us everything we needed to know about what we were up against. Some people had no idea uh, that Black women were killed by the police. They were shocked, they were surprised, they were disturbed, but they were supportive. And a few were deeply disturbed that we would bring women's names into the march. They were deeply troubled by the fact that an issue that had so long been framed as only being about men was being disrupted by the sad reality that it's not just about men. It's not just about boys. It's about women. It's about girls. It's about gender nonconforming people. It's about trans women as well. So our objective in Say Her Name is to reach the low-hanging fruit. First of all, to acknowledge that not only do Black men lose their lives to police violence, but also Black women. It's not just George Floyd, it's Breonna Taylor. It's not just Eric Brown, it's Michelle Cousseau. And being able to hold their names allows us to learn more about the stories because every movement has to have a story. There has to be narratives about what the problem is. But if the movement doesn't hold your story, if it can't tell your narrative, then it can't demand justice on your behalf. It cannot provide support to the families who are grieving. It can't create the kind of demands that are necessary to make sure that there will be no other Brianna Taylors. So say her name simply says, recognize that Black women are also victims of anti-police, anti-Black police violence, recognize that their families don't grieve any less for them, their children don't miss them anymore, their lost lives is no less of an injustice for them than it is to their brothers, fathers, and sons. So we're really grateful for this opportunity to take this five-year journey into this new moment and to partner with athletes and notable people who are able to carry this message forward and in doing so bring us closer to the day where the families that are grieving lost women will also be able to see justice. As Dr. Crenshaw previously said, say her name addressing the police brutality of Black women is an attempt to go after the low-hanging fruit because, as Malcolm X said, no one in society is more overlooked than the Black woman. If Black women are treated with respect, if Black women re receive justice, chances are other people will as well. All people will as well.
So by demanding justice for black women, justice therefore is demanded for everyone. During the event hosted by the African American Policy Forum, none other than Janelle Monet, the talented actor, musician, activist, popped in to the Zoom call to discuss her project to get people to say her name, to say all the names. And if you listened last week to my reading of the names, it was inspired by Janelle Monet's request that we chant the names, that the names are heard, that we tell the stories behind the names to get justice for these women, but more importantly, to prevent more senseless murder of black women's lives. So here's what Ms. Monet had to say. Okay, beautiful people. Wow. Wow. Uh, Kimberly, thank you so much for uh, having me. And I wish that I could have been on earlier. So thank you guys for waiting, you know, on me. I appreciate that. Um, Say Our Name, since you, you guys started it, uh, has been the fuel to, to my fire, especially when I feel like I'm on my last leg of amplifying the voices of the Black women that we lost due to police and, and due to violence uh, in general. And, you know, my goal right now is to make everyone aware of how many cases go unseen and how many families still don't have justice. Absolutely. I mean, we're seeing it with Breonna Taylor um, just now, but all of the names that you guys have on your site in memoriam, these families are grieving. These cases have not been closed. And these murderers uh, who work for the police department uh, have not been convicted and they, the justice that we need has not been, been given. Um, so my goal is to help amplify that, you know, Kim and, and your entire team, you guys do the work, you've done the work. Uh, I just want to follow your lead. And I thank you for being gracious enough to say, yes, you want to put together something that helps amplify those voices. And when Say Our Name started, Um, we were really furious around, um, what had been going on with Mike Brown and, you know, still, still am very furious, but we didn't, we didn't have enough names because of just like not knowing about the amount of women that were left out of the conversation. And so what we're, what we aim to do, am I, can I speak a little bit more about it? I didn't know which, which, if if I needed to not do that, but what I'm trying my best to do is to get my peers, people in the music world, the film world, and the entertainment world to chant the names of all the women, uh, in that immemorial memoriam, uh, section, all of the, all of the names of the black women we have lost, uh, due to police violence and help seek justice. Um, for the families who are still grieving and, is, and are still and the mothers who are still with us. And what I want to do and what I am doing, and I already have vocals from these folks, is each, um, each person will take a name and chant it. Mm-hmm. And we'll have audio of that. And it's a song, uh, a chant, a cry 
uplifting their, their names, but also bringing attention globally um, to, to, to the victims. And my hope is that as music and as audio is shared, that not only will you know, the folks out on the front lines protesting use this song to amplify the names and say the names of these Black women, um, but we can put some legislation behind it. Absolutely. And we can, we can say, hey, we have, all, we have your attention. Here's what we want. So I'm working with Kim to figure out what that next step will be. Um, but so far, so many people are down to honor these women, to say their names, and to record it, and to let people hear, um, he hear what, it, what it is that we are trying to say. Although I didn't do it quite as Janelle Monet suggested, I did say the names, all of them, all of the ones listed on the African American Policy Forum website. AAPF.org. I said them along with the ages at which the women were when they were killed by police, the cities in which they lived. So we will conclude this special edition of the Say Her Name edition of the Hard Screen podcast with my reading of the names. Thank you for listening. Please amplify the names as Janelle Monet suggested and push for legislation to prevent the kind of human tragedy that is ongoing in the U.S. Until next time. Illinois Gunners, 1984, age 66, Bronx, New York. Sonia Taylor, 1993, 27, Los Angeles, California. Frankie N. Perkins, Texas, age 45, Tatiana, Baytown, Jefferson, age 19, 28, 
Alicia Thomas Voyage, Chicago, Illinois, Los Angeles, California, 2012, 2012. Chantel Davis, Francis, age 30, New York, New York, 2012. Charmel Arizona, 2009. 